اللهم صل على محمد وعلى ال محمد مبارك وسلم وصلي عليه وي ار اكستريملي گریٹفل ٹو بوتھ ایسٹین اسکالرز پریزنٹنگ دیئر ویلیوبل ورک اینڈ میٹیریل آن دس کوائٹ ہارڈ اینڈ ڈفیکلٹ اینڈ دا سینسیٹیو ٹاپکس ایو یو می ہیو ہرڈ فرام بوتھ آف دیم They tried their best to cover all major sides very briefly because the given time was 20 minutes only. And in terms of their ordination, compiling and preparing the arguments, the work is reassuring and also fine. Topic is very difficult and uh, there are the lie and the arguments from the both sides. And as Dr. Ali Raza Bhujani, he has mentioned at the very beginning, the major objective of this forum is we don't debate here but we have dialogue to understand each other precisely and sincerely and to remove the misconceptions misunderstandings and find out we discussing here ikhtilafat sensitive issues and he has given the list of the all issues uh, for the last five years we have discussed and uh, I do believe that this topic is uh, more sensitive and the hard because within Shia sources, they are contradicting Rivayat. With Sunni sources, they are also contradicting. I'm going to deal with it very, very soon, very shortly about it. So our <clears throat> purpose is to build the mutual understanding, working together removing dissipating the misconceptions and controlling the hatred and at least keeping the ikhtilafat within the prescribed limits and we also offering the solution for the ummah outside they are disputing fighting killing each other over the same issues because if you don't have the dialogue and re- the the process and the forum of removing the misconceptions then there are problem and there are troubles according to urdu poet dilon ki uljane badhti rahengi agar kuch mashware baham na honge the problems of your heart and your mind would be increasing and increasing if there are no dialogues no sitting no process solving the problems teri mehfil mein lekin hum na <laughs> right so <clears throat> now coming to the areas of the questions just uh, i have to explain to you the areas of the question please you have to confine yourself to the topics and these are the major areas must be covered in order to complete the subject the management and administration are further during the time of the holy prophet nature of the link of sayyidatu zahra with the land of the fadak during prophet period then the nature of the decision of the first caliph hazrat abu bakr siddiq radhiyallahu anhu then the stance of the first caliph in the context of this hadith nahnu ma'asharul anbiya la narisu wala nurus this is very important stance of sayyidatu zahra refuting this hadith in the light of the verses of the holy quran you know this is very important the management of the fadak in the subsequent periods this is very important this is very subsequent periods of banu umayya banu abbas so these are the major areas and uh, we need to be covered question and the answers that's all for me thank you thank you so much okay so i can already see people who are asking to contribute 
And I'll just remind us that we please try to keep our contributions um, short and uh, focused on the topic at hand. And inshallah, we will hear and benefit from many of our thoughts and ideas and insights, inshallah. Uh, so if I can just get a sense of people who wanted to contribute. I had been, um, Shikar, I'll ask for your apology. Because in the last gathering, I very much wanted to hear Mufti Farooq speak, but he refused, actually. And today he has kindly jested towards me that he's ready. So he has to do qada from last time. So we will give Mufti Farooq the first opportunity. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Wa salatu wa salamu ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal mursaleen. Sayyidina wa maulana Muhammad wa ala alihi al-tayyibin al-tahirin al-mutahirin. وَالصِّحَابَةِ الْمُنْتَجِبِينَ وَمَنْ تَبِعَهُمْ بِإِحْسَانٍ إِلَا يَوْمِ الدِّينَ Shaykh Arif, we are going to... Shaykh Arif, would you like to come? Will it be easier? Mufti Sahib is going to speak in Urdu, but we will translate, inshallah. فَدَقْ کا جو قضیہ ہے یہ تاریخ کا نہیں ہے یہ پیغمبر کی جائداد اور نبی اکرم کی بیٹی اور پہلے خلیفہ کے درمیان ایک قضیہ ہے اور ہمارے لیے رہنما کتاب جو ہے وہ کتاب اللہ ہے نہ نحج البلاغہ ہے نہ بخاری ہے اور نہ اصول کافی ہے بنیاد جو ہے وہ قرآن ہے تو ہم نے یہ دیکھنا ہے کہ اس مسئلے پر قرآن ہماری رہنمائی کیا کرتا ہے الہاں شیعہ اور سنی کے درمیان یہ معاملہ چلتا ہے کہ سنی یہ کہتے ہیں کہ رسول اللہ کی تو یہ پراپرٹی تھی ہی نہیں یہ تو مال فیہ تھا تو جب رسول اللہ کی ملکیت ثابت نہیں تو وراست کہاں سے آگئی اور بقول شیعہ کہ اگر انہوں نے ہبا کیا ہے اپنی بیٹی کو تو اس مال کے مالک نہیں تھے تو ہبا کیسے کر لیا ہے تو قرآن جو شیخ رجانی نے اور شیخ عبدالحمید قصوری نے جو آیت پیش کیا ہے سورہ الحشر کی اسی کے اندر رسول اللہ کی ملکیت ثابت ہے مَا فَا اللَّهَ لَا رَسُولِي مِنْهُمْ فَمَا أَوْجَفْتُمْ عَلَيْهِ مِنْ خَيْلٍ وَلَا رِكَابٍ وَلَاكِنَّ اللَّهَ يُسَلِّتُ رُسُلَهُ عَلَى مَنْ يَشَافِ میرا پوائنٹ یہ ہے يُسَلِّتُ رُسُلَهُ تسلط کیا ہے علماء بیٹھے ہیں وہ کریں گے علماء بیٹھے ہیں وہ جانتے ہیں کہ تسلط کیا چیز ہوتی ہے تو یہ تسلط کا جو لفظ ہے یہ پیغمبر کی ملکیت کو ظاہر کر رہا ہے یہ پہلا پوائنٹ ہے دوسرا یہ ہے کہ کیا نبی کی براست ہوتی ہے یا نہیں یوسیکم اللہ فی اولادکم لذکر مثل حضل السیائن سورہ نساء کے اندر اللہ رب العالمین نے یہ بتا دیا ہے کہ تمام امت کی تمام مسلمانوں کی براست ہے اور اس کے اندر وَلِكُلِّن جَعَلْنَا مَوَالِيَ مِمَّا تَرَكَ الْوَالِدَانِ وَالْأَقْرَبُونَ وَلِكُلِّن یہاں ولی کلن کا جو لفظ ہے یہ میرا پوائنٹ ہے کہ ہر ایک کیلئے ہم نے وراست مقرر کی ہے وراست کا قانون ہم نے تیہ کر دیا ہے اب یہ چاہیے کہ رسول اللہ کی اگر وراست نہیں ہے وہ اس ولی کلن جالنا کے اندر شامل نہیں ہیں تو قرآن کو بتانا چاہیے کوئی عہد قرآن کے ایسی ہونی چاہیے کہ جس کے اندر رسول اللہ کو مستثنہ کیا گیا ہو کہ ساری امت کی وراثت تو چلے گی قرآن کے اسکارون کے مطابق لیکن پیغمبر کی وراثت نہیں ہوگی اس کی نہیں چلے گی تو لہذا قرآن کریم کے خلاف ہے یہ چیز کہ رسول اللہ کی وراثت نہیں تھی اور قرآن نے ان کو یہاں سے خارج نہیں کیا 
अब हजरत अबू बकर ने हजरत फातिमा के कलेम के को रद्द करने के लिए जो रवायत पेश की बुखारी में भी है मुस्लिम में भी है दूसरी तमाम शिया किताबों में भी है और सुन्नी किताबों में भी उसके अंदर तीन पॉइंट हैं अभी दोनों ओलमा ने दोनों स्कॉलर्स ने वो हदीस पेश की है मैं उसकी तफसील में नहीं जाऊँगा वक्त कम है उसके तीन अज्जा हैं पहला जुज ये है कि अम्बिया किसी के वारिस नहीं होते यानी वो अपने वालदेन की विरासत नहीं लेते दूसरा पॉइंट ये है कि अम्बिया की विरासत नहीं होती उनका कोई रिश्तेदार और उनके कोई करीबी जो हैं अजीज़ वो उनकी विरासत नहीं ले सकते और तीसरा पॉइंट ये है कि जो कुछ अम्बिया छोड़ते हैं वो सदका है अब यहाँ सवाल ये है कि अम्बिया की विरासत नहीं होती तो रसूल अक्रम सल्लाम ने अपने वालद ग्रामी हजरत अब्दुल्ला बिन अब्दुल मुतलिब की विरासत ली है उसमें तीन चीज़ें थीं एक वो उनका मकाम था जिसके जो उनका आबाई मकाम था दूसरा उम ऐमन जो लौंडी थी और तीसरी चीज़ जो है वो तलवारें और ऊँटनी थी बाज़ कहते हैं एक से ज़्यादा ऊँट थे बाज़ कहते हैं एक थे चलो एक ही सही हम एक ही पर इतफा करते हैं तो ये विरासत थी रसूल्ला के वालद की रसूल्लाह ने ये विरासत अपने वालिद से ले ली तो ये कैसे वो कह सकते हैं कि अम्बिया विरासत नहीं लेते आप बचपन में विरासत ले चुके और नबूत मिलने के बाद आपने कहा हम किसी के हमारा हम किसी के वारिस नहीं होते ये दोनों बातें एक दूसरे के मुतजाद हैं ये कौल और ये अमल ये दोनों एक दूसरे के खिलाफ हैं तो रसुल्ला ने अपने वालद की विरासत ली है लिहाजा ये बात दुरुस्त नहीं कि अम्बिया किसी के वारिस नहीं होते दूसरी चीज़ है कि अम्बिया की औलाद जो है उसकी कोई वारिस नहीं होती वो वारिस नहीं होती तो वह वारिस सलेमान उदाबूत और हज़रत ज़करियालाम ने जो कहा कि इन्नी खिफ्तुलमवालिया में वरा आई येमा के लिए ये लफ्ज़ जो है ये काबिल गौर है अलम के लिए कि हज़रत ज़करिया ये कह रहे हैं कि इन्नी खिफ्तुलमवाली मैं मवाली से डरता हूँ मुझे डर है इसलिए मैं तुझसे मांग रहा हूँ कि मुझे एक वारिस चाहिए अब यहाँ जो स्कॉलर ये फरमाते हैं कि ये विरासत इल्म की विरासत थी नबूत की विरासत थी तो खिफ्तुलमवाली को आप कहाँ लेके जाएंगे क्या हज़रत ज़करिया को अपने मवाली से ये डर था कि वो मेरा इलम छीन लेंगे मेरी नबूत छीन लेंगे उन्हें डर इस चीज़ का था कि जो मेरी प्रॉपर्टी है और जो मेरी जायदाद है मेरे बाद मेरे मवाली उस पर काबिज हो जाएंगे और इसलिए उन्होंने जरसुनी वरसुमिनकूब ये उन्होंने मांगा और इसी चीज़ को हजरत फातिमा ने हजरत अबू बकर के सामने ये पे वो सही मानो में मवाली थे हमारी पंजाबी जबान में मवाली कहते तो गुजारिश ये है कि यह है कुरान और ये कह रहे हैं डॉक्टर अली के वक्त नहीं है तो मैं इसको मुख्तर करता हूँ सिर्फ तारीखी लिहाज से एक चीज़ पेश करके कि हज़रत अबू बकर और हज़रत उमर के दौर में गवर्नमेंट के कब्ज़े में रहा फदक हज़रत स्स्मान ने सारा मरवान को बख्श दिया अगर मुसलमानों की प्रॉपर्टी थी तो तीसरे खलीफा को यह हक किस तरह था कि वो मरवान बिन हकम को सारा दे दें 
پھر حضرت عثمان کے بعد امیر شام معاویہ بن ابی سفیان کا دور آیا انہوں نے حضرت عثمان کے بیٹے اور حضرت اس کو مروان کو اور اپنے بیٹے کو ان تین کے درمیان فدق کو تقسیم کیا جناب معاویہ بن ابی سفیان نے عمر بن عبدالعزیز آئے انہوں نے یہ اور پھر مروان نے یہ جائیداد وراثت کے طور پر اس کی اولاد کو پہنچی عبدالعزیز بن مروان کو اور اس کے ذریعے سے حضرت عمر بن عبدالعزیز تک پہنچی عمر بن عبدالعزیز نے سارا فدق جو ہے وہ اولاد فاطمہ کو واپس کیا یہ کہہ کر کے کہ یہ ان کا حق ہے ان کے ساتھ جاتی ہوئی ہے اب سوال یہ ہے کہ فیصلہ حضرت ابو بکر کا درست تھا فیصلہ حضرت عثمان کا درست تھا فیصلہ عمر بن عبدالعزیز کا درست تھا اور اس کے بعد کی تاریخ انہوں نے بتا دی یہ مامون رشید تک پہنچتا ہے اور معمول کے بعد پھر حکومت کے قبضے میں آیا اور پھر آج تک بنو فاطمہ کو وہ واپس نہیں مل سکا تو یہاں میرا پوائنٹ یہ ہے کہ یہ جو حدیث پیش کی جاتی ہے یہ قرآن کے خلاف ہے اہل سنت کے محدثین کے اصول کے مطابق قرآن پر پیش کرو درایت پر پیش کرو اگر اس لحاظ سے روایت ٹھیک ہے تو قبول کی جائے گی ورنہ اس کو رد کیا جائے گا بخاری کے اندر روایت آنے کا یہ مطلب نہیں ہے کہ ہم اس کو آنکھیں بند کر کے قبول کر لیں یہ روایت قرآن کے سرین خلاف ہے is a dispute about the inheritance of the Prophet and how to deal with the inheritance of the Prophet between the first Khalifa, Abu Bakr, and the lady Fatima. He says the real source that needs to be referred to with regards to resolving this issue is the Quran itself. The Sunni uh, talk uh, about uh, Fadak being inheritance whereas the Shia talk about it as being gift and Sunnis say it cannot be a gift it has to be inheritance and that's the only way we can look at Badr. But Mufisab is saying it cannot be inheritance and we refer to the verse of the Quran of Surah Hashr gives ownership to whatever he wants to his messengers. And ownership here means personal uh, ownership and belonging of the one to whom ownership is being given. Now, if we were to then disclaim the ownership and gifting of Pada to Bibi Fatima, as is the claim of the Shia sources, and if we go towards it being inheritance, then even then, the issue of inheritance has been decided by the Quran. The Quran is saying the male shall have two portions of the inheritance of a female. And again, the Quran is saying, and for everyone we have made their inheritors. Now, this is a general verse of the Quran. And according to the ethos of interpretation, if there was any exception being made to this, even if it was the Blessed Prophet himself, then the Quran would make an exception and say everyone has inheritors except for the blessed prophet but the quran does not make this exception in the case of the prophet and hence 
the verse is a universal one, and even if it is considered as inheritance, the Prophet has then left his inheritance to his daughter. Now, Khalifa Abu Bakr rejects the whole idea of the inheritance of the Blessed Prophet by quoting the Hadith that we, the group of messengers, do not inherit and we are not inherited. So this thing has three points according to Mufti Sahib. This Hadith brings out three points. That the Prophets do not inherit. Point one. Point two, the Prophets are not inherited. The point three, whatever the Prophets leave, they leave as gift and sadaqah for the Ummah. According to the Hadith, these are the three points that are coming out. And this is what the argument of Khalifa Abu Bakr is. Now, Mufisa wants to now um, respond to these threefold claims. The first one is that the Prophet himself inherited from his father, Hazrat Abdullah. He inherited Hazrat Abdullah's house, his maid, and his swords, and possibly his camel. Muftisa makes a point here that how can he himself in his childhood inherit his father then after becoming a prophet say that we do not inherit. Because the prophets do not inherit at the level of prophethood, they inherit at any point in their life. And therefore, the counter argument that he wasn't a prophet at that time when he inherited fails to stand because he already inherited it. And that inheritance was still in his hands. So he should have given away the house which obviously he failed to do so. So that's the first point that undermines the authority of that hadith. The second is the verses of the Quran. The first one uh, that uh, the, uh, is quoted by Muftisab is the one that Sheikh Kumail also quoted. For what is a Suleiman, Dawood, and Solomon inherits, uh, sorry, David, uh, the two prophets. And he's saying here we cannot make this particular assumption that this is only the inheritance of knowledge. Because then in that case, I will just add this to Mufti Sahib's uh, argument, Nabi Nuh's son should have inherited Nabi Nuh's knowledge. But Nabi Nuh's son died as a disbeliever. So inheritance here is of the property, or if it is only knowledge, then the Quran is general about it, and it's not confining its meanings, so there is no specification. The other words, interestingly, that Mufti Sahib quotes is the one that Hazrat Zakaria prays in eh, Surah Maryam, when Hazrat Zakaria says, that I am fearful of the inheritors after me. And hence, O Lord, give me a wali who will inherit me and inherit the progeny of Yaqub. Now, Mufti Sahib's understanding of this verse is, that Zakariya is saying that I fear that whatever I shall leave behind that I have and the Ali Yaqub have will be inherited by people who are other than deserving of it. And therefore grant me somebody who is worthy and who can inherit it all. And this possibly is not in the meaning of inheritance of knowledge. The third point of it being Sadaka, Mufti Saab then argues against very um, forcefully. And he says, well, if it is Sadaka, then Salifa Abu Bakr and Khalifa Umar dealt with it as Sadaka. Now, when it comes to Khalifa, number uh, the, the third Khalifa, he doesn't see it as Sadaka. 
he gives it to his family. So if it was indeed sadaqah, and if this hadith was indeed an accurate hadith, then the third khalifa has gone against the hadith. What Muftisab is trying to imply here is that that hadith is undermined and is not accurate at all. Otherwise, the third khalifa should have known that hadith and should have acted in accordance with that hadith. Anyway, he says, and then in the time of Muawiyah, Muawiyah gives it three ways. He gives it to the son of the third khalifa a portion, a portion to his own son, and a portion to the nephew of uh, the third khalifa. He says then, Marwan, he considers his own share of Fada as his own property. And hence, Marwan transfers it as inheritance to his son. And his son then transfers it as inheritance to Umar ibn Abdul Aziz. So here it's seen as inheritance. And then Umar ibn Abdul Aziz gives it back to the children of Bibi Fatima. So the third point is one that Muhtisam argues against very forcefully. That Khalifa Abu Bakr and Omar considered as sadaqah as for the hadith. Khalifa Osman considers it as his property and gives it to his relative. Khalifa uh, or Muawiyah considers himself as the authority over it and makes a three-way gift. Marwan sees it as his own property and he is inherited. Khalifa Omar ibn Abdul Aziz sees it as the belonging of Bibi Fatima. So after Khalifa Abu Bakr and Omar, all of them are rejecting the veracity of that hadith. And that is the end of the argument that Mr. Sahib has presented. Thank you. Okay, so I think it's a very important contribution. Um, so it was worth taking the time over. Now I have to ask people to respect their time and please keep their comments very short. Sheikh Abu Jafar, please. I will briefly uh, ask concerning the second speaker, Brother Kumail. Uh, there is a tafsir al-Baydawi. He mentioned that he's a qarib of Rasulullah. It's belong to the relatives of Rasulullah. So, al-Qurba uh, here, the Qurba means the Qarabah of Rasulullah according to Imam al-Baydawi. This is a point. So, the Al-Sunnah also, they have hinted about it. Concerning the question of uh, the verse in question, concerning uh, taking of Asra, as has been mentioned by the second uh, speaker, I think there is a verse in the whole Quran which speaks about the, uh, the, 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 the verdict of Rasulullah concerning the Asra. So there was, there was no need of uh, making the uh, shura between the companions because the verse in question it says in Surah 47, verse 4, فَإِذَا لَكِيْتُمُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا فَضَرْبِ الرِّقَابِ حَتَّى إِذَا تَقَفْتُمُوهُمْ فَشَدُّ الْوَثَاقِ فَإِمَّا مَنَّا بَعْدُ وَإِمَّا فِدَاءِ So Allah gave the solution already. So the Holy Prophet could have never making any shura concerning taking asra. Also in Surah uh, Ad-Dahar, it says, So the captives should not be 
have been killed at all because he's supposed to be taken and given the same food that we eat. So the question that the Holy Prophet consulted the companions and Omar wanted those uh, captives to be killed and the verse was revealed to support the values of Omar, I think this is not uh, correct. This is my two uh, points. Thank you very much. Do you want to have a very, very quickly, I, I'm more interested in primary sources. Beidav is in 7th century, so from where he would be quoting, I would seriously, that's the same like Ibn Maysam Bahrain, 7th century, that's very late. So I would be more interested to look in the primary sources where this would have occurred. And to the best of my knowledge, there are no primary sources in Sunni literature which could allude to this uh, point. Um, I'd just like to... Um Asked the question before I came to this meeting, I wasn't really understanding that all of Ali Sunnah al Jama'a, the vast majority, if not all of the scholars, were agreed with the Ishtihad of Abu Bakr. Are you aware of any Sunni scholars who weren't in agreement? First point. Second point, in regards to Imam John Baz's um, uh, opinion about the, the, the weakness of the hadith in front of the words, um, in a book called Ishad al Fahul by um, uh, Imam Shokan, he actually said, I'm just quoting, if you bear with me a second, that they differed as to whether it is possible for a text of the Quran to be made specific on the basis of, I have reports, the majority of the view that it is possible in all cases. Okay, so I think that's a, um, that's a question maybe to our um, Sunni colleagues here. Maybe um, Mufti Farooq wants to respond or... Do you have, I guess the question, so the one question which is raised, is there any views amongst the Ahlul Sunnah, the, um, the opinion of Abu Bakr here, or his ijtihad was incorrect? Okay, please. It would just, uh, to answer this question, just because there was a point that was raised by uh, Mufti Farooq and by the doctor when he gave his presentation about is it a historical matter or is it like a matter of fiqh? So to, to answer this question, like, you know, the, the, if we look at maybe like not very primary sources, but to the fiqh of Imam Abu Hanifa and Imam Shafi'i, when they took this matter as a fiqh matter, not a historical matter, Imam Ahmed and a group of the fuqaha agreed with the decision of, uh, of Abu Bakr radiallahu They agreed with the decision from a, a fiqh perspective because they see that even if the verse says, uh, it uses the word taslit, like salata yusallit, they say it does not mean ownership. It gives authority over something. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between the ownership, when you have the ownership of something that you can manage it and uh, do, like, you know, like manage it according to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks you to. So Imam Ahmed and some of the look at the ownership in that, in, like from that aspect, that it was the ownership of dealing with it. Rather than having like, like you know, so they say that the Prophet Muhammad he managed it according to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to him. Imam Shafi'i and Imam Abu Hanifa and an opinion of Imam Malik, they see that the, the ownership was an actual ownership. So they didn't argue or talk about the matter from a, like a historical perspective or the, the authenticity of the hadith or rather, but they looked at it as it was an actual ownership. The Prophet Muhammad sallallahu wasallam owned it and he had the right to do whatever he wanted. It wasn't that he was a guardian over it. So from that like aspect, from a fiqh aspect, from like a legal point, 
So there was a, even in, in Ahl al-Sunnah, there was a disagreement between the, the four main fuqaha of Ahl al-Sunnah regarding this matter. But that wasn't my question. My question was, are there any ulama in Ahl al-Sunnah and Jama'ah who believe that the Ishtihad of Abu Bakr was wrong? Again, that's what I'm, I was saying. They didn't, they didn't argue it from that, like what Abu Bakr did was right or wrong. They argued it because if I say to you that Imam Shafi'i considers the ownership of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa owned it fully, so indirectly that Ijtihad of Abu Bakr falls within the Imam of Ahmad ibn Hanbal rather than Imam Shafi'i and Imam Abu Hanif. So they didn't talk about it directly that his Ijtihad was right or wrong, but that was their opinion. So what I'm trying to say, Sayyidina Abu Bakr, he based his opinion based on, on a fiqh that it wasn't an ownership of like, you know, I like, you know, I can like give it to like, you know, the people after me, like it was an ownership of managing, yeah, as it was presented. And so that's why he made this argument. So the argument, I, from like, you know, my own opinion, it was a fiqh argument rather than just a historical argument. It, it, it's a fiqh argument because the history on both sides agrees that this is what happened. Even like you, because you cannot like you know disregard the uh, the, the hadith in Al Bukhari that says that uh, Lady Fatima radiallahu anha she was angry and at the same time take the hadith that you say that she was happy. If you are going to accept Al Bukhari as an authority, then you are going to accept both. Yes. Yeah, so, so my point. That yes. The reports coming from Al Sunnah al Jama'ah seem to be unanimous that they agreed with the ishtihad of Abu Bakr, as in they don't believe he committed an act of sin or an act of misjudgment. Again. First thing. Yeah. Second thing, regarding the hadith that you just quoted from um, uh, 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 Bukhari. So what was the hadith? Can you just repeat the hadith? That you so with, like, we, there are like different narrations. So in Bukhari there are two, like you know, more than two narrations. So there is one where it says that Lady Fatima was happy and then she just left. And there is another that she is not, no, she was not happy. She even like stayed unhappy till she, she died. Yeah. So what this one is saying is that she's referring to an answer. If you don't mind, if you don't mind, just finish this point. Very briefly. Yeah. In reference to this hadith, they say the fact that she was upset. The fact that she was upset and the fact that she was angry, does it mean she fell into a category that made her commit any anger that was sinful. So for example, it doesn't prove the fact that if Abu Bakr walked past her and he said salam to her, she wouldn't have replied. But she was upset, which is obviously her opinion. Yes. But that doesn't mean that she was upset to the level where, where you cut off relationships with Muslims because well, that's yeah, obviously haram in way. Okay, so I think if I could just interject here and then let yes. you come back. Yeah. So as far as I've understood, I think your concern is to say that Look, we're seeing in the literature, uh, particularly in the Hadith literature, you know, as all three of um, these major contributions have shown us, that there's this tension, effectively, between Sahaba, the most prominent of Sahaba. And as um, Sheikh said, the Ahlul Bayt's position in front of the Sahaba is, you know, um, it stands above you know, the entirety of the Ummah and the Sahaba. But I think the um, brother's question is, okay, we have this clear evidence of disagreement. Okay, it doesn't suggest... Um, in the view of the Ahl Sunnah, okay, that this confers a sin, okay, um, upon either or of those parties. Now, it does seem to me that that is the position of the Ahl Sunnah, okay. Um, I don't know if that's the point that you're driving home here. I mean, I just want to make the point that from within Sunnism, it seems to be, from what I know, the only opinion that seems to be emanating, and obviously the principle behind it. Is that so they don't yeah. regard Abu Bakr as being an unjust yeah. sure. because of that? Sure. Okay, so I don't think we've got to the question of um, the justice of this or not. Yeah, the question so far has been about the disagreement. 
Okay, and actually also the relationship, which was your other question, so maybe I'll broaden it back out, is the relationship between the Qur'an and Hadith. Okay, so maybe here I'll, I'll let Dr. Khalid uh, uh, Let's try to understand this problem in its uh, proper perspective. To Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, this dispute between the first Caliph and Sayyidah Fatima to Zahra, this is the problem which is the internal problem, home problem. To Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, I'm talking the perspective of. And between the two elders of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, this is the approach. Right. So in this way, uh, many ulama, they are on the side of the first caliph from Ahlul Sunnah and also some Ahlul Ilm with the side of Sayyidatul Zahra. So there is no problem when you are on that side or this side, according to Ahlul Sunnah, mm -hmm. because uh, there are, we can find, uh, just, uh, just the time is very short, but uh, I'm going very, very briefly. Uh, the problems here, the sources from Ahlul Sunnah, for example, there are the sources, the very greats like Muhabbudun al-Tabari, Ibn al-Kathir, Ibn al-Jawzi, al-Maqdasi, al-Mutaqi, al-Hindi, Imam Shabi, al-Baqi, and many others, right? Uh, they asserted that the Sayyidah Fatima, and she was satisfied, she was angry at the very beginning. Later on, she was visited by the two elders, uh, Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar, both of them. And the first caliph, he had assured her that, and he was obliged to provide her all rights she used to receive at the time of her father. And then she was satisfied when she died and uh, the, the the prominent Sahaba, including Hazrat Abu Bakr, Hazrat Umar, they participated in his funeral. Funeral was led by Sayyidina Ali. According to another narration provided by Ahlul Sunnah, the funeral was led by Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq by the insistence of Imam Ali. This is one side, for example. <laughs> That's why I said there is a problem. The other side... Which was the earliest source? Hmm? The earliest source for this? Uh, from the earliest source, uh, this Imam Al-Bihaqi, Imam Ash-Shabi, right? Uh, and Al-Mutaqi Al-Hindi from Kanzul Amal from the early sources, right? The other sources uh, from the, uh, briefly, uh, from the same uh, school of Fort Ahlul Sunnah, Sigidul Zahra, she was not satisfied like Imam Bukhari, and he quoted this hadith, and she was uh, dissatisfied. And she, when she approached, this is very important, uh, the court of Hazrat Abu Bakr, anhu, and he defended, he defended his position by quoting hadith, That was not ijtihad. Dr. Dalagur Khan is asking about ijtihad. Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq, he never made ijtihad according to this, uh, this rivaya. The problem is that the question is not directing towards the position of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq. The question is this hadith is attributed to Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq according to, is this attribution is right or wrong? This is another problem. So there is no the matter of ijtihad. So he clearly quoted hadith. Sayyid Fatima to Zahra, according to these sources, they are very important sources. Muhammad al-Johari, uh, according to Imam, Imam Bukhari, Imam Muslim, Abul Faraj Asfahani, Muhammad Ibn Asir Ashafi, many, many others. There is no time to, you know, uh, go, going through the list. 
the problem is that according to these sources uh, fatima to zahra she refused uh, she refuted the stance of the first caliph by quoting the verses from the quran just quoted by uh, uh, mufti farooq sahab and no need for according to these sources you know and then uh, accord, uh, apart from al bukhari the remaining resources they don't mentioned and she was angry permanently till her death except al bukhari the rest of they never mentioned just, just she was angry and she refuted just uh, uh, that was and then there are the sources they proving that the sunni sources when this ayat was revised wa atal zar qurba haqq wal zikr this is madri and maki containing the both you know qualities then nabi alaihissalam wasalam he called uh, his daughter fatima and he gave her al fadak right according to all these respected you know sunni sources uh, they are tafsir khazin tafsir as-salih ibn jarir at-tabari imam suyuti tafsir durin mansur tafsir fatuqi tafsir mazhari etc etc so this is a problem as you mentioned the problem within the shia sources were some shia sources ibn al-hasan you know ibn maythan and some others uh, they are on the on this side and she was satisfied so the <coughs> major point is that we have to concentrate on the stance of hazrat abu bakr as has been attributed to him and the refutation from sayyid at zahra basing on the quran for example this hadith is contradictory to the verses of the quran suppose even if sayyidatu zahra she never mentioned any of these verses of the quran she just you know refuted no you are wrong khalifa you are wrong and she never said anything else still for us problem today when you going through the holy quran question is still there contradicting this hadith and this stance wise so that's why that's why what i said at the very beginning this is the conclusion within sunni circle we take this problem as the dispute between our elders you know two elders mom and father sayyidatu zahra highly regarded as sayyidatu nisa uh, hazrat abu bakr siddiq as khalifatur rashid you know the highly so there is no problem within sunni circle and uh, if we believe the stance of sayyidatu zahra this is most troubling because of the verses of the quran comparing to the position of uh, khalifa abu bakr because we have done the same with the remaining sahaba for example we prefer the opinion of hazrat ibn umar over the opinion of his father umar bin khattab on the issue of haji tamattu and the opinion ijtihad of hazrat umar was rejected in favor of his son hazrat ibn umar and the ijtihad of hazrat abu bakr was rejected in favor of hazrat ubay bin qas ibn masud this is on the record right so this is very common we have done ijtihad of ibn abbas is preferred over many other sahaba ijtihad of for example many sahaba preferred over other sahaba so the position of hazrat umar farooq radhiyallahu ta'ala anhu being as khalifatur rashid had never been degraded degraded by preferring the opinion of his son over him dr rawat sahab because there are many other people according to 
according to the rules and the regulations, you should wait and be patient. Be, pa be patient. And that's all from me. This is no problem for Ahl Sunnah wal Jamaat. The problem is from Ahl Shia because this is a very serious problem. When we debating with you know, each other, then this is a big problem. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to bring in some other voices. I promised Sheikh Arif he was going to give, he just gave a translation and we sidelined him. So please, and then I'll bring some other voices in, inshallah. And we only have a few minutes left as well, actually. Thank so. you, thank you. Now, I want to point out three things to both of you gentlemen, and thank you very much for wonderful contributions and beautiful, mature gathering. And then maybe draw attention to something else. So the decision of Khalifa Mubakar and the whole of this issue is based on two points. The first one is that Khalifa did ijtihad. So we can have differences of opinion and it was thought that Khalifa Mubakar's opinion was the best one. Now this verse is obviously referring to Allah. Alim is only Allah, not a human being. That's the first thing we need to be mindful of. The second thing is that in that case, Khalifa, uh, the third Khalifa said, my ishtihad is better than Abu Bakr's ishtihad. Can you see this? So if Khalifa Uthman has accepted Khalifa Abu Bakr's ishtihad at the time when Lady Fatima was asking for father, he said, Khalifa Abu Bakr knows the best, knows best, and his ishtihad is best. But when it comes to his own time, he rejects Khalifa Abu Bakr's ishtihad. So that point one doesn't work as a justification for me. First, the verse is about Allah. And secondly, the one who accepted it after 20 years rejects it. Or after 15 years rejects it. The second argument about the hadith. Now obviously the ulama have pointed out that Khabarul Ahad cannot undermine the Quran. Here it is not... It, it, it is a question of not only taqsis, which people say that it's doing taqsis of the umumah. It is actually rejecting the verse altogether because it is going against a clear verse of the Quran. So this is not taqsis. The taqsis is when something is removed that is not in the Quran. This is actually removing the, ex the extension that the Quran is mentioning very clearly. So the hadith is in conflict with the saraha of the Quran. So the, according to the law of Diraya, uh, so the of, of uh, a hadith, we need to reject this hadith flatly. That's the first thing. The second thing is this: that if this hadith was there, then why didn't Bibi Fatima know about this hadith? If the wives of the Prophet understood this hadith, then why didn't the Sayyidah to Nisa al Alamin, who is living with the Prophet, who has grown with the Prophet? who has seen the wahi in the coming to the Prophet, who has heard the Prophet speak, why doesn't she know of this hadith? So again, it's problematic on that front as well. The third issue as justification is that Fatima was happy with the decision of Khalifa Abu Bakr. Here what we are saying is that this is something again that requires attention because Bukhari is saying she died being very unhappy. It's a very clear hadith in Bukhari. I think we need to understand that there was political turbulence at the time with the whole issue of Saqifa and Khilafah. And this was in that time because she died within two months or three within, months. Within right? There was this huge dispute and we need to look at the issue of Fadak 
in the context of that huge political dispute that was going on. And there is something far more to further than what is being offered from its historical perspective in isolation of that political dispute. You have both quoted verses of the Quran and later historical sources. But immediately what we do know without fail is that there was a dispute over Khilafah. And in the context of the dispute of Khilafah comes Fadak. So I'm just saying and asking the ulama to rethink this issue from the perspective of the dispute of Khilafah. Mm. First of all, thank you for correcting Sheikh. Uh, this, this verse is about the about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And uh, secondly, I, I, I didn't understand if there is any question, to be honest. No, no, there, there, there are so, no questions. Only, only, only just comments. comments. Yes, only comments. So I think okay. it's a very good advice that, you know, the matter should be reconsidered in the context, the particularly the, uh, at the environment it was it was happened soon after. Mm -hmm. So you cannot take that out, of course. But uh, again, I will focus on that one particular thing. If in the same book, two things, one uh, refer to the dispute and other refers to the uh, solved matter, I will follow the solved matter because uh, uh, that's, uh, uh, as, as uh, the, my friend also, my brother has also said, nothing to do uh, anything, anything today in our life. So the matter, matter has settled and has finished. So we pray. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with all of them, inshaAllah. Um, I just want to make uh, two observations on uh, what Mufti Sahib had alluded in his talk. Uh, uh, I, I don't see, as far as she is also concerned, I think they are highly consistent uh, in, in this particular case. Uh, whether right or wrong, whatever judgment we want to make about like, you know, the dispute, as I mentioned, there are no earlier sources in Sunni, in Sunni works as far as like uh, the father being Heba. So, uh, but one thing which she is also highly consistent is like, you know, there's no dispute that Fatima claimed her ownership and she disputed the position of the first caliph. That remains... Uh, completely uh, consistent. As far as um, Ibn Maysam is Bahran is concerned, as I mentioned, like we need to read the full um, section of what Bahrani says, and it's very clear in, in the rest of his sections. Like you know, well, he mentions the Sunni um, uh, source. As I mentioned, like Ibn Adi mentions, like uh, from Shi'i sources, as Bayzavi, and like you know, others, uh, Abul Faraj al Isfahani, they would quote being Sunni, they would quote Shi'i position as well as when it comes to Ibn Maysam. Bahrani, we can't be selective, right? Sorry, so I would, yeah. I'm so sorry, but I, I know you're going to conclude and I just wanted to get something in because I thought, I'm really curious how the, I can I let, can I let him finish and then I'll yeah. come to you. Yeah. Oh, yes. So, so yeah. when it comes to, the, the mic as well, we? yeah, when it comes to Kulaini's um, uh, narrations and Nisala, Yaritna, that is particularly for wives, right? Nisa in the sense of wives, not Nisa in the terms of daughter. Others, Kulaini, the, the, the entire calf is eight volumes, two usul, five furu. When you look at the furu, he mentions in the furu sections like, you know, Anal Benad Yaritna. Right, so under Nisa, when it comes to these words, uh, these um, narrations, it becomes like you know to the wives, not to uh, to the daughters. Uh, so I would like to conclude um, uh, on the same note which Mufti Sahib, which uh, Maulana Sahib has, has concluded that 
this dispute has already been uh, resolved. I mean, like, you know, from a theological point of view, there are no implications. Whether I believe Fatima belong to Fatima or I don't believe is irrelevant in today's world, right? So there are no theological implications. One doesn't become non-Shia, one doesn't become Sunni, or one doesn't become non-Sunni, irrespective of whatever position he or she would held in this particular case. Uh, there are no legal aspects to this as well, because now after Mamun, as Mufti Sahib has alluded, after Mamun, uh, Abbasid Caliph, there is no the issue left when a person can dispute. So I would exactly conclude on the same thing which uh, Maulana Sahib has, has that may Allah be pleased with all of them. Their intentions were like, you know, the, uh, fine whatever they had at that time and, and uh, perhaps they did Tawbah for whatever happened and then uh, we should be learning lessons from history as opposed to having any um, a, a, a space for, for having disagreement in today's world. See, shukran. But uh, the reason, you see, I'm just trying to observe this objectively. Um, obviously, trying to see there's, there's things being presented, the flies in the ointment. Now, personally, I, I feel that some of these arguments are compelling and I do fall in line with thinking that Sayyidina Fatima radiallahu anha was more deserving and um, I do agree with that position that, that the people have said. That said, although the interpretation of the ayat of the Quran, things like this, I think are retrospectively engineered because that kind of language wasn't used amongst the Sahaba, Umum al-Quran, Khusus al-Quran, stuff like this. But the more importantly, I was really curious that how the mawqif of Ali radiallahu an wasn't really brought in in this discussion because he never makes a claim. He never stakes a claim. In the, the hadith in Bukhari show that he is given Banu Nadir, that kind of sadaqah to take care of. He never claims fadak. He does dispute with Abbas over it. Then in the time of Uthman, Aqta'aha Uthman Limarwan, as the Riwayah of Bukhari says, if that was inheritance, I'm just saying there's a little question mark. How does it end up with Umar ibn Abdul Aziz? It should have gone down Abdul Malik and to Walid or Sulaiman, not to the other son. The... If it was wilaya, he hands it back to... But why Ali radiallahu an during his entire time never puts a stake, never makes a claim? This, I think that that's, there's a lot of potholes that haven't at all been addressed. And I think they really need... If, if, you, if you want to take a look at the topic, I don't know if they can ever be resolved, but I think they are some serious questions because he doesn't ever make a claim. They say anha Abbas during the time of uh, Uthman in the riwayah in, I think, Abu Dawood. But the, so I just felt that these were issues. I was quite surprised that nobody really tackled any of these. And they're huge, really, that, you know, nobody, the Ali himself never claims it. But it's a, it's a very valuable contribution. You yeah. know? And um, <laughs> Sheikh Kumail did mention in passing, actually, yes, you know, the, the claim of um, Imam Ali, alayhi, but it was in passing. Okay. I think, actually, this is testament, to be honest with you, to the, um, yeah, the complexity of these questions, you know? And uh, we, we haven't resolved this question. Okay, as you said, maybe, will we ever resolve this question? I think we can, you know, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, say that we have had a discussion, you know, across perspectives. And on such a sensitive issue, this is, frankly speaking, rare, you know. And as we can see from the unanswered questions, much, much needed. You know, so if we can um, accept, you know, that we may not have a comprehensive 
even assessment of the Shia position or the Sunni position, okay, Alhamdulillah, yeah, we've seen differences of views amongst the Ahl Sunnah, okay, we're seeing different nuances within Shia positions, you know. So, um, yeah, I don't think we are claiming to have um, solved this issue, or either of our scholars did. Um, and I, I'm grateful for everybody's contributions. I sincerely seek the um, you know, forgiveness of those who I haven't given an opportunity you know, to speak fully. And I think that um, emphasizes the need for such gatherings. But it's my job to um, just close, because we've gone beyond the time, actually, that was allotted for this discussion. And I think both of our... From the discussion, is clear. This is the conclusion and achievement. Uh, let me explain to our, my brothers and the sister who joined us today. We are not talking here, discussing the topic for the sake of discussion and just uh, dialogue. And finally, the final session which is coming and Dr. Bojani is going to deal with it. That's the conclusion and achievement, what we have achieved. And sometimes before that, these are the points agreed upon, disagreed upon. They are the points we can work together and this is the conclusion. And now today, and you would see the conclusion and the achievement, what we have achieved uh, as a result of discussion on this sensitive topic. Thank you. So even a humble conclusion, very humble conclusions of what we've achieved. You know, there's both of our speakers said very clearly, Okay, that it doesn't, in their view, okay, this issue has no theological implications, doesn't have any issues related to the aqa'id. No legal implications or no relevance to ahkam today. We did see from the discussions, you know, there are theological issues within the debates and within the concerns over this historical question. And we know of its importance. We know of its importance to people's hearts, whether they're Sunni or whether they're Shia. So I think the first achievement is that we could have this conversation and hopefully start further conversations. Okay? Beyond that, it's my job to somehow summarize the key positions presented. And the dominant Sunni view is that this land of Fadak was claimed by Hazrat Fatima after the death of the Prophet. And there was a disagreement that ensued. And within this disagreement, Hazrat Abu Bakr defended his position okay, through a hadith which he attributes to the Prophet. And Hazrat Fatima, according to the majority view of the Sunni, despite some ahadith in Sahih Muslim and Sahih Bukhari, which mention her dissatisfaction or anger, the dominant Sunni position is that she was satisfied at the time of her passing. In contrast to that, the Shia position, okay, is very, very clear that first and foremost, this land of Khadak, yeah, as agreed by the Sunnis was Fay. So it was at the discretion of the Prophet and was given to Hazrat Fatima during the lifetime of the Prophet. This land was then, after the death of the Prophet, sought by Hazrat Fatima and Hazrat Abu Bakr rejected that claim. Arguments made at two levels. One saying it had already been given as the discretion of the Prophet. And secondly, through the arguments by way of inheritance, which we've discussed at length. Of course, for the Shia view, Hazrat Fatima remained dissatisfied until the end of her life. 
Having said that, you know, these differences do not cause such sharp theological differences to the extent of excluding somebody from Islam or including from somebody in Islam. As we've seen here, this discussion can be done with dignity and with etiquette, without cursing, without abusing, without calling sin, you know, or um, you're claiming their sin on either part. And this ethic is something which is much, much needed. Of course, the case of Imam Ali is important in many, many respects, because we see despite this, his attitude of practical engagement, okay, with the Muslims, as part of the Muslims, after this incident, is of course for us a model for the cooperation between Shia and Sunni and all of the Madahib of Islami, okay, today and hopefully going forward. So on that note, I thank you all, and I will ask um, Mufti Saab to end. Just an announcement of those. Uh, yes, we have food. food and Thank you so much. The logistics are very important. Uh, <laughs> there is food, inshallah, next door. Okay, after food, there will be Salat al Isha. And there's also feedback forms, okay, in front of you. Yeah, and this is a burden, but it's a, it will be a, a gift for us, a barakah for us, that we can take it forward and hopefully try to implement your feedback. So if you do, we'll be very grateful for it.